Women Bridging the Gap is a freewheeling conversation co-hosted by Lenya Wilson and myself, Alexandra Detalia. Listen to our conversations while we discuss race and womanhood at the hearth level. I'm so low energy. We don't need to be high energy to talk about boobs. I do. Oh my God. So let me tell you about my dog's boobs. Oh. She has, she had a, a litter, you know, so she's got eight boobs, but one, she had mastitis and her nipple fell off and they had to stitch it close. So she has one, she's an amputated nipple. And then the other one is a National Geographic boob. It is dangling down probably three inches. Uh-huh. And I tell you, Lenya, when I got her spade, I was like, do you want to do a little plastic surgery? <laughs> like, does she need a mommy makeover? Because that thing, it really just looks like a dangling scrotum that just walks around. Like when she, it's really gross. But I didn't get the plastic surgery done. She's not bothered by it. And I'm loving her for her dingling, dangling <laughs> teat. So welcome to boob day, everybody. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> finally happening. <laughs> We're going to talk about boobs. Today on the podcast, we are talking about boobs. So either turn off or tell all your friends about it, depending on what you're in the mood for. But Alex and Lenya are going there. That's what we're doing today. Why we're talking about boobs? Because women have to friggin' live with boobs for so long. And we shouldn't be embarrassed by them. Yes, we shouldn't be. Are you embarrassed by your boobs? Not really, but... So today, perfect example, you know, sports bras suck. Let's just be honest because they come in small, medium, large and small is too small, medium's too big, but I wear the medium on days where I'm not doing cardio because it doesn't matter if I fall out. Well, what happens today? I'm doing my yoga positions. I do yoga poses before I work out to stretch out my muscles and I fall out the bottom because it's so hot that I'm that I'm, it's sweating. And so the bottom falls out, not the top, right. the bottom. So I have under boob and then I go to, to do downward facing dog and I nearly suffocate because everything can fall out the top. So we got to do better with the sports bras. Honestly, we have to do better. There are sizing sports bras. Are they? But then they don't match my bottoms. See, this is the Oh my God, the the style. No, I mean, I get it. You can, sports bras can start to look like 1950s bra bras. And I know you don't want that. I get it. I don't care if they look like that, but I want them to match the bottoms, right? That's all. I just want, I like wearing a set. It inspires me to work out. And this is a whole other thing with like active wear, where nothing, you know, wear like Lululemon. Like they're the most boring brand in the world and they don't make matching sets. Okay. I know nothing about those brands, nor do, do, let's talk about boobs. All right. Well, when did you first get your boobs? Uh, I got them early. But I, they were small. You know, I got them, at, I guess, when I was nine. Same time I got my period. All right. I got, mine at, I got mine at 10. Same time I got my period. Fifth grade. Yeah. Fifth grade. Young. Fourth grade. Fourth grade. Very young. I was the yeah. first person I know. And I just, and I was a first child and I was in a class, basically, of first children. Very few younger siblings. And so nobody wanted boobs. Like I'm not in a girly crowd where anybody, where people wanted to go, like I was reading, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. And everybody wanted their period and all those books they wanted to get their first bra. And I dreaded the day it was going to happen. So I ignored it and I wore a sweat jacket for two years. I just never took off the sweat jacket. But didn't your mom see that? No. In all fairness to my mother, I'm, I think she didn't know how, since she was pretty flat chested, I don't think she knew what to do with how big I got so fast. Uh, and I don't think she, I mean, she was very body positive, 
but just enough shame that she didn't want to push her eldest daughter to have to do anything she didn't want to do. And so I'm sure my mother in the seventies was a little bit like, well, if she doesn't want to wear a bra, she shouldn't have to wear a bra. But meanwhile, though, in school, I'm just covering myself up in a sweat jacket. And I just remember Bruce Dickerson, like standing in line for the library to go in, you know, at, at recess or whatever, and him like rubbing his finger along my back and is, you need a bra. And I was just mortified. And so then I went into my mother's drawer and got one of her bras that I was, I could basically fit into, which was like a B cup, but I was already spilling a little bit out of it. And ever since then, my relationship with my boobs has not been a positive one because it just hasn't, because it's just been because it was just eyes on me, all you know, eyes on my boobs all the time. Wow. So, yeah, I hated my boobs until I didn't. But did you, so your mom took you out bra shopping. Is that a good memory for you? You know, it's, a, I don't even have a memory of it. But I know that I, re, I know that I went and got a training bra. I remember the training bra. And I remember having. Well, all right. Can we just talk about what the training bra is? Can we just let, like comedians amass because what the fuck is it training for? Like the Olympics? It's seriously, right. what is the training bra? Is training the boobs to come out? Like, I know. What? It's bullshit. It is. It's bullshit. Training but a woman to wear another no piece bras of clothing? now. There mm-hmm. are no training bras now. You don't get training bras now. You just get a bra your size. But back in those days, that 32A was called a training bra. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And some of them look like little underoos. I remember. Oh, and I never little, wanted them. Yeah. I remember having one that matched my like superwoman panties or something. See? Yeah. No, um, like it was no. Oh, I don't remember. I was never embarrassed by it. Like, even though I was the first girl to have a womanly figure. Right. I was never embarrassed by it. And I, to be fair, Boobs didn't really mean anything to me until I gave birth. And then it was like, all of a sudden, I went from having hardly anything to these humongous E-size boobs that when I went to breastfeed Kadeem for the first time, my boob was bigger than his head, and I was worried about suffocating him. Oh, oh my God, that's awful. Oh, my God. You know? And then, and he was only little. And so, like, the whole, and, you know, these are the things. So I, I had a whole conversation with someone the other day about the things that they never tell you, your aunties and your mom never tell you about be, turning into a woman, right, or becoming a woman. The, your, you know, how bad your periods can actually get, cramps, you know, giving birth and that it's actually painful. And then the after bits, like, some, you go home in a diaper, too. You know, and like all these things. And so nobody ever said to me, you know, your baby might not be hungry enough to drink all the milk that you have and that you're going to have to express your boobs yourself because otherwise they're going to start to hurt because they're going to just turn into rocks. I mean, like nobody tells you any of these things. And that's when I started having like problems with my boobs. Right. And I would breastfeed Kadeem in public. I would just cover myself. Right. People would shame you. And then I, and then people shamed me because I breastfed him for what they felt was too long. And so all of a sudden I started having that weird relationship with my boobs and they never really came, never went down. It never went back to like me having normal size proportions after that. Cause before that I was kind of like normal. Like I was a B I'm only four. Well, I'm actually five feet, but I didn't know that at the time, but you know, like I was little and I was kind of thin. So yeah, B cup. I was right. proportion. Now I'm going C D E, and I never actually really came down from the D. Yeah, I mean, I I went from a C to a D to an E. I mean, I'm I have big boobs, and I like, and I mean, look, I didn't ever get a breast reduction because my shoulders were broad enough and I felt that I could carry them off. I'm five, five. And I just always felt that I could, but nobody ever tells you that they keep growing as you age. And so 
now I really, you know, now I'm like, I'm ready for it. Cause it's like your nose or all the things that keep growing as you age, it's just grow. It's quite frankly, it's gross. I'm sorry. It's not body positive of me to say that, but it is disheartening to just, to see gravity take its toll. And you know, you turn into fat. So that's the other thing, right? This is a negative episode. All right, let's make it cheery. No, there's nothing cheery I can say about boobs. All right. So, but let's, how did, <laughs> did you feel? No, here's the thing. I'm going to, I take that back. I mean, there was a period of time in my life, certainly. And still, I mean, quite frankly, like having the big boobs does make it easier to make it look like you have a tiny waist. And I know I can walk into, even now at my age, I think I can walk into a room and garner attention. But I have to say, like when I was young, like going to the pool was always traumatic because I was always Mm. so worried about the bathing suit falling down. I was always so worried about, you know, being seen. And there is something so absurd about how a man can take off his shirt at the beach. Like in in American culture and a woman really can't because the boobs are sexual like this. And the fact that I was I didn't feel sexual in the fifth grade. But it was weird that very soon after I got boobs, you know, I would notice boys would stare at me. And if I were with my family, my dad would put his um, hand on my neck, like just like this, like a little protectively, you know, I squirmed a little. I didn't, you know, it always felt a little like, you don't own me, dude. But it, but it was very much clear that there was a lot going on that I wasn't aware of. And it was only because I had these body parts and that, that changes you as a woman to know it gives you, it does empower you a little bit, but it also makes you especially vulnerable. And it also makes you feel like an object and you learn sort of how to live as that object. And so that's, but also having big boobs changes, changes the the dynamic when you're dating and and, uh, as well. Don't you think? Cause I got big, you know, my boobs, were bigger when I got a little um, heavier and I was in Australia and I was single and I felt like the, the, the dynamic was different. You know, men treated me more like an object, less like a person if they were trying to date me or something, because, uh, because if they can see it, then they can touch it. Yeah. That kind of weird thing. And I, I know it hasn't really changed very much. All that's really changed is that women feel more empowered to tell them to stop. That's completely true. And it's also just when you're dating, when you're young, when you have big boobs, you don't know if you're being dated because you're liked mm-hmm. or it's for the boobs. I mean, that's also hard. I mean, I don't want to give any Lenny and I both happen to be big chested or large chested, but certainly like I know from friends who aren't that it's just as painful. Like I have a friend who, a high school friend, we were very close, but we would joke that it was the three of us. And my other friend had sort of a curvy figure too. And then our our third friend was more uh, angular and we would remark on it, you know, how she was flat chested. And I think we were both, I I would have traded bodies any day um, with her. But at the time, you know, she told me 10 years later that she felt really bad and made fun of because of how like we fixated on it. And we were fixating on it, I think, because we were jealous and insecure in our own bodies but she was reading it as, you know, she was still the little girl. She wasn't developed. And so it's just such a shame all around. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. how that kind of worked. And also it's the beauty ideal of you and I grew up in the seventies and this comes back to culture, but I grew up in a, a time when the waif was the way to look. And so yeah. models and magazines, nobody had figures and to watch Madonna whittle herself, whittle her curvy frame down to nothing. And even to watch Julia Roberts whittle Mm -hmm. her curvy frame down to nothing. And those were messages being sent to me, even in my early twenties, like you can whittle yourself down 
Yeah. And that's, and I was always keenly aware of that. But so, but here's the thing. So my mom didn't know how to dress me because she was tiny and, and small chested. And so she was always worried that, you know, I looked too old. I was going to look too old. You know, she had random roles. Like I couldn't wear black until my senior year of high school, which seems absurd, but now you know why I always wear black. And I just remember wanting a bikini and I must've been in eighth grade, eighth or ninth grade. And we tried on a bikini and it was, and it, you know, I looked curvy in it and my sister leans to my mother and says, I never want to look like Alexandra. (gasps) Oh my God. That's horrible. Yeah. Well now she has bigger boobs than I do. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Because she. You're so come a bitch. No. <laughs> Poor Candace. She like remembers that moment. She's I could never say anything again. The worst happens. Well, look, you know, I'm gonna talk to you about it from a fitness angle, right? All right. There are girls, so I have to the two ends, right? There are girls who are very, I don't want to say flat chested because that's not that's there's they have smaller cups, but they have wider backs, and you know, so they have pectoral muscles that take up most of the their chest. Right. And I know of one in particular who struggles with the way she looks because she thinks that she doesn't look feminine. So boobs apparently make you look feminine. And then I've got other friends who are weightlifters who have these huge boobs and they get in the way. They get in the way of everything. Oh, well, they get in the way. Yeah. So, I mean, I just for me, what I remember the first time I started doing like a butterfly pull up and, you know, you're supposed to be pulling your chest to the bar, but I'm so far away from the bar because of my freaking boobs. You know what I mean? Right. So like I or doing a handstand push up. And having your boobs almost like on your chin. Well, no, it's the same right way. Every time I was doing yoga well before it was, you know, on every block. And it's still really difficult for me to do yoga in a studio where everyone looks like a ballerina and I'm getting into a shoulder stand and I'm suffocating myself because, Mm -hmm. you know, your boobs fall forward and you can't breathe. But what I, here's the thing that's important and this brings it to representational activities. Again, it's why it's important that there always be representation in Mm -hmm. everything, because the thing is you do start to feel when I would go into those early yoga classes in San Francisco and everybody was like five, eight narrow and flat chested. And I mean, I was a thin woman, so it isn't, I didn't look good, do you know, but I would feel like I did not belong Mm -hmm. and yeah, it was my own insecurities, but just having some representation in those yoga instructors that might've been a little bit more athletic looking than ballerina looking, you know, might've gone a long way towards me keeping up the practice. Well, it's better now. There's it's so every, many. It's, yeah. I mean, and I can't even imagine, but what for you growing up, did girls talk about like getting their boobs? Did people like, did, were people talking about it? Like the first time a boy felt you up, were people talking about it? No, I mean, <laughs> in the African-American community, we're pretty curvy. Like uh, all of my family members were pretty curvy. So it was a little abnormal how thin I actually was. I remember my dad, I have this memory very vividly. One night we were having dinner and he gave me this teaspoon and told me to drink whatever was in the teaspoon. And I drank it because I mean, it's my dad. He told me what to do and it was cod liver oil. And he did, gave that to me so that I would eat more to get the taste out of my mouth because he felt that I wasn't eating enough. And that's why I was so thin. Wow. Right. And I think, yeah. Right. Like (laughs) anything to get me to eat apparently. And then it wasn't that I wasn't eating it just, I was, that's what I was. Yeah. Like you were tiny. I mean, everybody's, what's interesting about my sister and I look so much alike now. And yet as children, 
I was a mach- I, you know, I had smaller legs. I was never a bean. I was never a bean pole. You know, I just always looked yeah. like a kid. I wasn't pudgy, but I was not a bean pole. My sister was a long legged bean pole, and somehow in adulthood, we looked the same. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, she had blonde hair. I had dark black hair, and somehow we still look the same now. It just it's interesting. So even like looking at her. My niece, she's a very tiny, narrow beanpole with these huge feet. And I'm like, oh, God, when puberty hits, is she going to get the detalia curves? You know, what's what is she going to look like? We have no idea because you can't tell. Yeah. And you're right. It was just your journey. But I kind of find those years of middle school. Ugh, middle school is the worst. How you treat boobs and what the clothes I also just find that like you know we're just going to go on the big boob complain rant like the fact that bras are so much more expensive yeah the bigger you get the bigger you are like and so you know for any big chested woman in her 20s you know that's hard to because now I have the money to pay for a bra back then I didn't I mean it was just always anxiety ridden you know I read this interesting article about how if you never wore a bra, right? If you never wore a bra, would your boobs train themselves to stay up? And that wearing a bra is what what causes them to start to sag. I mean, I don't know because I've always worn a bra, but there's some kind of there's some kind of theory around that. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, like I noticed. I don't now know. That- I saw the National Geographic things as a child, and I'm telling you, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, true. I mean, I don't know either. Well, it's hard to know though, because of what, like, I would think your boobs are going to, I mean, I always feel a little blessed. I didn't have kids. My boobs, you know, Yeah, I've aged well because I didn't have children in that sense. So I think if you have children, it's going to change the shape of your boobs. If you breastfed, yep. that's going to change the shape of your boobs. If yep. you did that more than once, it's going to really change this. <laughs> really change. And, you know, so I don't know. I mean, all of that is, I'm so, I'm so in touch with my body in the sense that I feel when I'm getting sick or something, but in, but I'm really not at one with my body in the sense that I have any concept of functionality, like of the breasts, you know, because I never wanted kids. You're explaining this to me, talking about your experience with, (laughs) and I was honestly like, just wow. Like reason 782, like I never wanted a kid. (laughs) It's just so, Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. It's gross. I feel like a 12 year old. I mean, where I'm really, I have no other word except. I know. I know. (laughs) I know. I mean, in retrospect, I just think about it and I'm like, but people love having babies and people love like, it's so like they feel connected to the world and to their baby. And I think it's all beautiful. And I do believe in the functionality of the boob and I'm all about free the boob. I'm all about that. And still I'm of my generation cover that shit up. I don't, you know, I see (laughs) like, I, you know, and honestly, I'd rather see you feeding your baby than see you in your club outfits at the, in the law school classroom. That's what I find funny. Like it's sometimes it's just everything is context. In Australia, I, I remember the very first time I went to the beach and like at the, any beach, you can go topless. Women can go topless. And I remember this one time I was like, you know, what? I'm just, I was still married to my other husband. And I was like, I'm going to go topless because I want all over tan. And I never looked back. And I never looked back. And so I never thought I like, I think that time, I think because I lived in Australia and it was very open, like during gay pride, women walk around with no tops on all the time, you know? So I felt like it, 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 maybe that gave me a different view of what, of my boobs as well, shaped a different way that I feel now. But I also feel if every woman bench pressed, they'd have better boobs anyway. (laughs) <laughs> but one, well, I totally think that's true. But the thing is like in San Francisco, even just when I used to go to the Osanto baths in the mission, in San Francisco, and I used to go, you know, and everybody would be naked and it was pay as you go. It was a very diverse crowd. And I felt completely comfortable being naked and being very happy, like being very happy. And I was like, everybody should be naked all the time. I mean, there is that yeah. Once you sort of embrace nudity and you're okay with nudity, 
it's the sexualization of nudity that makes you uncomfortable with it. And it's the idea when, you know, I always admire those, you know, I don't think I ever went through a phase where I was completely comfortable in my body in public. Like, I mean, I am now, but not when I was like young and hot and had it all going on. Like at 18, I look back at pictures and I'm like, holy shit. Like I should have been running around naked (laughs) the entire time. Like I was so pretty and so hot. And I was so, even though I like gave a veneer of, I was in control. Do you know what I mean? All of that. It was all a veneer. And even like in my early twenties, like more, more secure, but still insecure. And if I walked around, like if I walked out naked or very scantily clad, I was aware of it. Right. I was very self-conscious and I see young women doing it now. And I could see their, their self-conscious too. And it's such a shame, right? Because I was like, you know, you only yeah. get that for a few years before, you know, age, or you just don't care anymore. It just, that time of your life slips away into something better personally, I think. Yes. But in that special little time, I wish I hadn't been so self-conscious. And I always, you know, every once in a while, I'll see a woman who isn't, it, I admire that woman, but with all the Instagram shots now, I sort of, it reeks of insecurity to me of all the boob shots and all that. Cause it's, you're looking for validation. And you're just doing it from the comfort of your own home. I probably would have done that all the time had I been, cause it's so safe. Yeah, but that's okay. Cause it is safe. Yeah, but it is adding to the sexualization of it all and not into the just being at a beach in Australia and just never looking back and just doing it because you wanted to do it. Isn't there a difference when you're just posing in your own house for likes? Yeah. But I mean, if that's what, if that's what they want to do and that's what makes them happy, I'm like, I, I just, it's so hard. It's hard enough. It's hard enough being a woman. It's just hard enough. And if that's what makes them happy. And But, but here's the thing. Isn't there something to be said that, it's an empty happiness and they don't know. And if they knew any better, their journey, but that might be part of their journey to becoming who they are. Do you know what I mean? You know, I don't know. Like, I think if, if the world were different and we were not in this pandemic, well, I mean, I'm not feeling great with the way I look at the very moment, but you know, when I I think this with the flower in her hair looking amazing, but go ahead. But I'm channeling Billy holiday today, but, um, (laughs) but all right. Think back to a few years ago when I was the fittest I ever was. So maybe like around my, my 50th birthday, I often would not pose, but I would often walk around Instagram in my like booty shorts and bra and not think anything of it. And I don't know necessarily whether I was, I mean, I definitely wasn't doing it for the likes. I definitely was doing it because I wanted other women to feel comfortable to just take off your clothes. But you know, there could be some, there could be, it could be said that maybe at that time I was feeling myself. Do you know what I mean? No, I think that's true. But I also think that doing it at 50, you have a certain gravitas to you. I mean, I'm just wondering, I mean, because I just see so many women doing it and I, and if I, and when I know them personally, it's unfortunate that I do know they're slightly self-conscious, insecure women. But this might make them feel better. This might make them feel better at that moment in time. They feel better. I think the studies are showing that it doesn't actually make people. Well, no, I mean, you're right. There kick. And that it's a temporary better. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, me, like anything that makes you feel good. I mean, you know, everybody be themselves. I, but I do just wonder that where I want to live in a world with no shame. Cause I feel like I grew up with a lot of shame around my boobs and I did swing the pendulum from shame covered up to flaunt exude mm-hmm. power Right. And so in both ways, I was very self-conscious of myself. So I knew, you know, when I first, I've told you this before, but I haven't said it on the podcast, but when I was first 
teaching in law school, it came out through evaluations that students would have a, are they real? Are they fake contest about my boobs? And, you know, people think they should be, I would have been horrified. And I was like, you know what? I have every single body. I have everybody's attention. I don't really care about attention, but attention, still attention in the classroom. And it didn't bother me. Now I like, you know, now nobody's going to have that. Nobody's going to have that contest. But (laughs) the idea is that it's, I, but I also just knew that like men noticed me for that. Men would say shit to me all the time on the street, you know, about my, you know, hot body, whatever, but it was always boob related. And the fact is, is that I enjoyed that attention. I enjoyed that power. And at now at 54, almost what 53 I'm 53 so 53 like looking at it I kind of wish I had spent more time in the middle zone do you know what I mean like I spent so much time ashamed and then I spent so much time like leaning into being sexualized because that is the way I was finding power and like now I'm just normal but the thing is about finding normal is that any young woman who's listening to this conversation finding normals hit harder. Yeah. Like the more you swing between shame and using your body or your looks to help you feel secure in your world, you're going to hit 40 or whether you hit 40, 45 or 50 or 55 or 60, whenever it happens for you, whenever you become invisible, it's going to get, it's going to be a hard lesson to learn because the hard lesson for me to learn was I don't walk in a room and command attention anymore. And I noted the difference. You know, I have to be loud now to note. No, <laughs> no, I have never walked into a room and commanded attention. So never. No, I do not believe that. Lenny, you walk into a room now with me and you command attention. No, but I think that's just because I'm different. Not because anyone wants like, you know, it, it's not the same. It's not the same as like being that woman. You know, what do we call her? And what do we call her being that bitch? You know? I'm never, I have never been that I've always, you know, it, it, whatever it is about me that brings, that brings the focus is not my looks. Yeah. I'd have to say like, yeah, I would say it's never been, but I was that bitch. I mean, I have been that bitch, not all the time, but I have been in whether it's attitude, hair and boobs, (laughs) a little bit of, because it's not, I'm not, it's not like my looks, my face, but it's, but I have been that, but it's a certain charisma. I had it and I was aware of it for a long time. And it was a little bit like a superpower. I enjoyed it when I had it. I'm just saying it's a, it's an adjustment when it goes away. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's interesting the other, the other day, cause I work for a company that makes active wear and I'm in the store and I'm just wearing normal sweatpants and a top. And this g- girl goes, comes in and she's like, very upset when she walks in and she wants to buy active wear. And then she's, I can't buy any of this active wear because I need to wait till I lose weight to get into it. And I'm like, what? I, I st- that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. This is the kind of clothes you wear to get to the gym, to lose the weight. If that's what you want to do. She turned on me and said, well, I am not, these clothes are made for skinny people. And I was like, how dare you call me skinny? I am not skinny. I have worked five fucking years to be fit. So don't call me skinny. Anyway, I knew I lost the customer, but the (laughs) fact is, the fact is, you know, that, that women, women have this sense, this body shame, not just boobs, everything about us is this shame of our bodies whenever we look outside of what we think is the norm. Meanwhile, there are men out here walking around with their bellies hanging to their balls with no shirts on and teeny tiny shorts. I know it's we find it gross, but they're okay with it. So why can't we be just okay? Why do women feel this intense need to be perfect in our minds all the time? And that's what's out there. Those guys. Well, partially it's because look on television. Let's look at TV and see who we celebrate. In American television, although I would say, you know, it's probably in a lot of TV these days, but 
everyone tends to be thin. If they're not thin, even if they're full figured, they're perfectly, I've, what I've been paying attention to is the full figured women. They're perfectly proportioned. Yeah. And groomed to the ninth degree. I really do believe that if all women bench press, we would be happier with our boobs because we would develop better chest muscles. I think that's true. I like bench pressing for that. And I actually like the fly. Yes. Those are good too. There's all these great upper body exercises and that's, and, and you know, that's another weird thing about women in exercise and boobs. They, women will come into the gym and go, I don't want to get bulky. And so I don't want to do anything like bench pressing or, you know, upper body stuff. Meanwhile, women have, you know, pretty weak upper body strength, unless you're holding a baby all the time. And these are things that we need moving forward. So I love the bench press and I've got, I'm getting so good at it. So I know I love, I like bench pressing too. What can you bench press? 130. I bench pressed 70 today. Ooh, that's a lot. It's not bad. Is that more than that's, is that half your body weight more than half your body weight? It's half my body weight. That is a really good bench. See, that's a normal good bench. Right. I'm, tr- I'm going for the double body weight bench one day, but that's, you know, because I'm crazy and I'm a power lifter. Yes. I mean, I'm not, I'm fine with, I mean, yeah. I'm doing 70 without a spot. So I'm yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's like a normal, that's great. If you were doing, if you were doing like 40 pounds, I'd be like, girl, you know, you could do better than that. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I've been basically, what do they call it when you add weight every week? progressive overload. Oh, that's awesome. I'm doing progressive overload. So like I'll be at 80 next week or in two weeks. Oh, so you'll be, you'll get to like body weight in a few weeks. I will. I'm hoping I'm like planning on it. I mean, I am going. I remember that first, first time that I body that did a body weight bench. That was like incredible. And so do you bench with your arch or do you, are you flat on the back? I bench with an arch. No, I'm scared to I, use making sure my back is flat. Make sure that I'm also using my core when I'm doing it. For me, yeah. at least, it forces. That's better. I use leg drive. Yeah, well, you're lifting that much weight. You'll need it. I mean, I'm trying to only, I'm trying to build muscle and get rid of my menopause fat, but we'll see. You know, that's another thing that they never tell you how much weight you gain with menopause. I w- again, this was something like I was, we were going down this list. It was my workmate. We were going down this list of things that you wish your mother or your aunties told you about being a woman. And top of the list was the day that you stopped getting your period, how all of a sudden it's this slow, it's a slow progression too. It starts with three pounds here and then it's five pounds there. And then all of a sudden it's 10 pounds. And then next thing you know, you're 70 pounds overweight and you're like, how did this happen? It has only been a year since I had my last period. And then they put you on these hormones, which makes it even worse. And like, they, why didn't anyone talk about this? Why don't we as women talk about all of these things that happen as we get older to younger women so that they're more prepared. Because I tell you what, if I knew at 30 that this was going to happen, I would have started CrossFit then. Do you know what I'm saying? I I mean, at least I would have been aware. I think part of it is the concept of American exceptionalism in the sense that most of us have the reaction, but it won't happen to me. But it happens to every woman. I might've been delusional enough to say, oh no, it won't happen to me. Although my mother was calling me fat since I was like 18. So I don't know, but no, I really wish she would have told me. I mean, just even just how hard menopause is. I mean, I wish somebody would have told me about the anxiety, the anxiety levels being through the roof. Like I have so much more anxiety now than I ever did. And it's funny when I even talk to, it's like I had one random night. This is just so funny. I had this amazing dinner with a former student who brought her mother to dinner and her mother and I were the same age and her mother just ordered bottle after bottle of wine. And we just, I was like, I, and I love this former student. I love this young woman and I would be friends with her. I mean, I love her, but I loved her mom and her mother was um, Russian, came over here, put herself through law school. And she's just so funny. So matter of fact, 
And we started talking about menopause, like first dinner, you know, and she even leaned in and she's like, the anxiety is killing me. And this is like a complete stranger, not 90 minutes before. And it's just woman to woman. It's nobody talks about the rage, the anxiety, and that's life-changing. It feels like a medical disability at times. Everybody's on Facebook right now. I can't wait to go back. I can't wait to go back. And I'm like, I don't want to go put me on Zoom. I'll be on Zoom forever. Like totally fine. Like I wanted to have my life back. But as far as going into work, I have anxiety. I have real anxiety about it. I'm sure I'll get over it. But it's real. And I think it's part of it hormonal. Yeah, absolutely. Part of it's hormonal. And I don't think women talk about it. And it's made me cocoon more, you know, or disassociate more. You know, my mother never talked about a lot of things. Like I didn't learn about my period. I didn't like, and I don't, I mean, I don't have a daughter. So, but I feel like if I had a daughter, I think I would have prepared her for life better. There were so many things that I didn't feel prepared for. My mother was a size A boob and still is a size A boob right now. You know what I mean? And so like the whole boob thing, she had no understanding of, but she also didn't ask anyone or, you know what I mean? It just, there was this, I don't know, you know, it's a weird, it's a weird thing that we as women go through that we don't talk to one another in the way you and I are talking right now. No, I think that's totally true. I do think girlfriends talk about it, but I didn't start talking about it with girlfriends until I was a grown up. Yeah, definitely until I was a grown up. Because even in law school, I didn't really feel like I trusted my girlfriends enough to trust them. I mean, I have trust issues with girlfriends too, kind of because of this issue. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I was always so frightened of being, I didn't get bullied in school but I worried about being bullied in school. And I was very aware of not making waves. But so I was wary of girls. I was wary of everybody. I mean, I was a wary kid and it's a little sad because you're like, didn't you just live your life? I'm like, nope. I was self-conscious from, you know, age seven till yeah, age 25 or 26. And the, and I, you're right. I mean, I don't think my mother did talk about my period and she talked about sex. Like she did a really good job with that. It was really the body where I think she was uncomfortable because she had an eating disorder and she passed that eating disorder right on to me. And I, she just wanted me to be thin. It was just really the overarching thing she wanted for me was to be thin. But she did funny. It's not like she wanted me to smoke. I mean, even though she was a smoker and I know smoking was considered bad in the eighties, but I'm kind of surprised I grew up in such a no smoking, like you're not going to smoke kind of thing because you would have, since it helped her stay thin, I'm surprised she didn't like when I was first exhibiting signs of anorexia in high school, I'm surprised she didn't say eat a steak and just have a cigarette after. I'm really surprised she wouldn't have solved the problem that way. Instead, she just watched me waste away to about 90 pounds. That's so interesting. I didn't find out about my mother's eating disorder until she was like in her fifties. How'd you find out? Random conversation. She said she only eats one meal a day. Yeah. Well, it wasn't called an eating disorder back then. That was just called maintaining your weight. I mean, right. I mean, that's a part of it is that my mother even now would have, even if she were alive, she'd be rolling over in her grave that we're doing this, but, but she's not in a grave. She's in my sister's, she's in my sister's entryway, but she would not be happy with this because she would have said, I didn't have an eating disorder. I just drank tabs, smoked cigarettes, and always had dexatrim and laxatives in my purse. Why is that an eating disorder? I, wow. <laughs> she never would have ever admitted to it. I just, so, you know, and I grew up that it was natural that, you know, that's what you have in your purse as a woman. And it, I got to say, because now I struggle, I'm struggling with my weight for, I got to say, I wish I could go to those things. Really? 
Oh, yeah, like totally. I mean, I love working out. I would never, I love the power of working out, but I mean, if you give me a shortcut, I'm not, I have no problem with taking a shortcut. But it's just food. It's just managing food. I mean, but if I want to eat like a pig one night, night isn't going to change you. It's the, I want to eat like a pig every night then. Okay. So then that's the thing. Everybody talks about the hard bit being exercise, but the hard bit is the food. Oh yeah. I don't find the hard bit to be, I agree with you. The hard fits and the the hard bit is food and the hard bit is emotional eating. Yeah. We have to find other ways. It took me um, a long time to figure that out. I mean, and even still, I have days where I, I, I like, I feel this intense desire to have like popcorn or chips. And usually it's after a time where I've been dieting for too long or not dieting, sorry, limiting my food for too long. Cause I hate the word diet, but you know what I mean? Like I, you know, I, I, I think for the rest of my life, I will probably track macros. That's just the way it's going to be for me. I'm going to track my food for the rest of my life. I mean, at the moment I am eating a lot, so I'm happy. See me in five weeks when <laughs> I'm at the middle of my cut because I have to get down to a certain weight. It's just, I'm sure I'll be miserable, but I don't know, but it's just food. I got to, you know, I'm trying to find joy in other things. This was one of my 20, um, 21 resolutions. It's finding joy in other things. And the really interesting thing that I'm finding joy with right now is outside of my kitchen window where, you know, like I wash my dishes and everything. Shane put in a kangaroo paw, which attracts hummingbirds. Oh my goodness. Every day we have three, four, five hummingbirds, like right in front of my window. And I didn't even know how much joy that was until it started happening in my life. Right. So as long as, yeah, trying to find joy in other things other than food, just to fuel my workouts, you know, and I'm trying to have, I'm trying to think of wine. If I have one, a glass of wine or have a glass of wine as that bit of joy, but not that bit of joy that I abuse. Because I could very easily drink a, a whole bottle of wine. I love wine, but I have to like wine. Not only is it bad for my diet, or by diet, meaning the food I take, but it's also really bad for my sleep, which I didn't know until I started really tracking that. And that was another 2021 resolution. So you're doing it all. Well, no, I agree with you. I mean, I, that's why I love eating for celebration, but I like to choose the celebration. I don't like when other people choose the celebration for me. So I Uh. always kind of resent when people are like, oh, like we'll do this and we'll celebrate by food. And I'm like, well, I don't find this celebratory. I don't want to eat that food. That's not where I'm going to, Yeah, I'm not going to eat that. So I always find the social obligations around food. That's a hard one. Yeah. And that's why I've been enjoying the pandemic in the sense that I haven't had to do it because everybody's first reaction is let's go out to dinner. And I'm kind of like, Nah, I don't really want to. Like, there's other stuff, you know. Yeah, or going to your family's house and being the person with the Tupperware of their own food. That's me. I wouldn't. You know what? I would do that with my family. I would actually feel. I mean, they would make fun of me, but they would make fun of me lovingly. But but I would feel free to do that. I'm not going to do. I wouldn't do that with a friend or with work. I'd still do that with a friend and with work. But I probably should. I'm saying that, but I would just be too lazy. Well, I mean, but if you're preparing food at home, you just bring it with you. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So it it took, don't get me wrong. This isn't something that uh, like overnight, oh, I just all of a sudden, this is how I'm going to be. Right. This is, you know, four years down the track. I just have, I feel like, well, you know, if I really want to be serious about this, well, then, you know, I'm just going to have to be that person. And yes, my family makes fun of me. But yes, my, no, not lovingly. Yes. My family still also would like to be as thin as me. (laughs) And no matter how many times, you know, I I, I can say it's just food. You got to modify the food. Oh, but I love cheese. Yeah. But cheese doesn't love you. Do you know what I mean? Cheese does love me. I'm kidding. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, no, it, it, absolutely. Absolutely. Now I'm wondering if as being as flippant as I am, was I flippant like this with that poor customer who came in, who got upset with me because she couldn't find anything because she didn't feel comfortable in, in, in her workout clothes. Yes. You were too flippant. No, I don't. I mean, 
here's the thing. It's a hard balance. Like you want, I sometimes feel like clothes. And I know it's not the stores you work at, but I find that I find it frustrating to shop for clothes in medium expensive to cheaper stores because their model is not is not going to have a figure. So it's going to be hard, right? So I have to go in for an eye that I'm going to have to buy to get something to fit in my boobs. My shoulders are also broad, right? So it's not even just my boobs, right? But it's like to get something to fit my shoulders, which are broad and my waist, I'm going to have to buy like a large and the waist is going to have to be like an extra small. And I know that it have to go and get tailored it's frustrating to go into those stores. So I tend to go into more expensive boutiques where the sizing is going to, the model for the designer is going to be a little bit shapelier. So sometimes I just don't feel represented in certain stores. Like, so, you know, and you just know, I just know better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just had to learn. And I feel bad if you're a little bit broke and you don't have any choices because I don't have, you and I have discussed this before. I mean, I have more of a French closet yeah. as you taught me, you know, a very small closet rather than a big closet with lots of stuff. And part of that is because I will buy more expensive clothes or I'll go to thrift store and buy crappy clothes. But I mean, but the idea is that I'm not ever really going into the gap or something and buying what's trendy this year because none of those gap clothes are going to fit me anyway. Like it's just not even going to fit me and they won't even be worth me tailoring because then it's making the price point expensive for something yep. that's only going to last a year. Like I'm just never going to do that, but, but it's, it's no, not better. and very much shopping for me at that level is not fun. If you ask a lot of curvy women is going to the mall and shopping fun. No, like it is when I'm at my thinnest because I can go try on anything, but otherwise going and, well, I mean, I don't like shopping anyway, but I mean, the idea of it is hard. So I feel for that young woman who I I understand what you're saying, because of course it's workout clothes, but the truth is she's not wearing workout clothes to work out. She's doing the American leisure wear thing where everybody wears their yoga pants on dates. You know, like I, yeah. you know what I mean? And that then becomes, cause I am of course tired of seeing that. So all of America, please wear regular clothes out. We were like <laughs> in lockdown for a year, like put on some clothes, man. Cause going out in your gym clothes, ugh. Um, yeah. but I think that's part of the problem is that that's, what's trendy. Everybody wears their leggings out with the cute like you're talking about what you wear to work out, the booty shorts and whatever. I'm like, I just see people wearing that on the street now. That's just mm-hmm. what people wear. And I, so she, so in fairness to her, you're both right. Basically she's right. And you're right because it is ridiculous. And the first thing anyone tells you to do when you're getting on a diet to lose weight is go buy clothes that make you feel good about yourself. Yeah. Because then you're going to be able to lose the weight. Maybe I'm the wrong person. Maybe I'm the wrong person to work in this store. I thought for sure I was the right person because I'm an athlete. I wear these clothes to work out all the time. You really are absolutely the right person. You are I really absolutely. believe in this brand too. Like I believe in this brand. I think you're absolutely the right person to do it. What? And so what if you were your authentic self and didn't have patience with her? You'll have it with the next person. You'll be like, let's talk about this and you'll persuade her. Yeah. I'll try. Instead, it's right? like it's, yeah, of course it is. But that's, I mean, I can't imagine how annoying it has to be to like work with the public with clothes because you're every woman that walks in has a lot of baggage that yes. she or they is not showing you. Yes. And taking it back to this whole thing uh, about talking about, well, not just talking about boobs, but just talking about relationships with women. Right. We don't talk to our, to each other in this honest kind of way where we, where women are comfortable with each other. So it's always, I'm looking at this person first. Well, I don't do that anymore, but I'm sure that a lot of women do. They look at this person that they're talking to and they basically dismiss them for whatever reason. Yeah. 
And I, I know that a lot of women do that. And instead of thinking, I'm walking into the store, oh, great, there's a woman here, a woman who will understand what it is to be a woman. And so we can talk together about how we can make this work. It doesn't seem like we get a lot of that. I, I, w- I have to say, like in a store, I've rarely felt that. And I think the reason it's funny, both my, I went wedding dress shopping with a fair amount of brides and I never, you know, I never did it, but people loved wedding dress shopping because they did feel seen and they did feel catered to, and they did have that kind of connection. And I think it's partly because wedding dresses, many wedding dresses are indeed cut for a woman. And the whole idea is to make the woman feel good. And so the relationship is the contract is there. I've very rarely had that experience in a store and partially it's my own, it's my own thing too. Like when I see somebody come up in a store and they've got two inches of makeup on their face and I'm just going to automatically be like, you do, you will never see me. Do you know what I mean? We will not connect. But that's also um, part of the, the dress code for a lot of these stores is that you have to be made up. The amount of times I've worked in a store where I would get told all the time, I'm not doing enough makeup. I don't wear it. Right. No, but even like I did, there's a fancy store in Milburn, New Jersey. And my, my stepmom would take me there for shopping and she always looks great. And they would always try me to get me to wear other stuff besides black. And it would get to the point where I would get in tears. I was like, you're not understanding me. I don't like a lot of color. Like I don't want to wear this. And finally she was amazing. And she's like, I, it took her a while, but she's, I get you, you know, but there was this thing. No, just put on a plaid shirt. I was like, I'm not going to ever wear a plaid shirt. Like it, you're never, it's never going to happen, you know? And they would be like, why? And it, we're wrapping this back up to big boobs. I'm like, when you have big boobs, I want to look like I like straight, clean line. I like a clean line yep. on, on my figure. And it's what I feel comfortable in. It's I want to feel powerful. I don't want to feel girly. And like, once I kind of found the words, I was like, so I'm sorry. I don't want to wear that cute floral print. They're like, but it looks great on you. And I was like, it might, but I don't feel comfortable in it. And it is partly like to minimize the boobs. I'm sure that's a part of it for me, but it's, Hmm. I like a monochrome look. I just do. And I have to say, even when I'm looking at models, you know what I mean? If if I look across the spread of what I, I was like, I might enjoy the aesthetics of this, but that is amazing. You know, and I will go towards a more monochrome look. I like it on my men too. (laughs) I'm fine. But it's, I think clothing shopping for women is traumatic. Yeah. And I wish there was a way. There is a way, but it's expensive. Right. And I wish though, there could be a way to mass. And I think with technology, there should be a way for you to go to a store, look at different clothing lines in Muslim or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And then to have your measurements made and come out with tailor-made clothes. Like I would pay for that. There's definitely, there is, that's available, but it's expensive. And I think actually this conversation has brought up a lot of interesting points about sales techniques in stores, right? Listening to the customer and maybe we'd sell more if you heard the customer and listen to their look instead of listen to their, how they want to look instead of trying to sell them what you have. Yeah. I mean, it's hard, right? But I don't like, and it's always been very clear. Like they'll, somebody sells me, pants and I'll be like, okay, but they need to be long because I usually wear pants with a heel. Well, no, but you can wear this with a cute sneaker. I'm like, yeah, but I wear pants with a heel, not necessarily all the time, but generally speaking, like I always wear a heel. I like to look tall in pants and I have shorter legs. The pants make my legs look long. I mean, I know the fact is I know what my aesthetic is. I'm very clear. So either you have it or you don't. And I don't need, you know, it's Oprah and and again, poor Oprah just gets a beating from me, but all those makeover shows for middle-class women 
I feel like they make up all these women to look the same, like really sad soccer mom. They really look really sad to me, not to put down any soccer moms, but it's, it, they just look really sad to me. Like, I don't want to be put in a wrap dress with my boobs hoisted up to my chin where they look hoisted up, you know, where they look fake. I just feel like people in stores should really pay attention to hearing that somebody might have their own aesthetic. And just Mm -hmm. because they're shopping at your store, they're interested in a piece or two not being made over to look like. Yeah. Whatever that brand is. It's hard. But if you're only making commission, I can't blame that person. Do you know what I mean? That's what gets hard about it. But it's also hard because this is this kind of shopping I very much do when I'm feeling heavy. When I'm feeling thin, I'll try on anything. I mean, that's what's hard. (sighs) I know. All right. Well, everybody, this is our last show of the season. Yes. We are taking a little break until July. And when we come back, it'll be the one year anniversary of women bridging the gap. So we're probably going to do something locally to celebrate. So stay stay tuned for that. It'll involve Lenya's one glass of wine and my many glasses of wine. <laughs> and But we'll do something really fun. And then we're going to have more guests, have more conversations. If anyone's interested in being a guest on the podcast, please email us. And if you are interested in a subject or a topic, please contact us. You can contact us through Instagram and Facebook. It's Women Bridging the Gap. We also have a website, which is the easiest way to get in touch with us, womenbridgingthegap.com. There's a link to email us. There's also a link to all our socials. If you're one of those people that only like socials, I manage both pages. So please get in touch. We desperately want to hear from our listeners. Yes. See everybody later. Bye. Bye.